When I studied antisocial behavior, and particularly at McGill, I studied female and male antisocial behavior. Male <laughs> antisocial behavior tends to be much more physically violent. Mm -hmm. And so most of the people who are imprisoned are male, mostly because we imprison violent offenders, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. We don't necessarily imprison white-collar criminals, even if they defraud like 60,000 people. But, you know, a mugger, well, we're going to lock him up. And yeah, mm -hmm. I can understand that, although not entirely. Defrauding 60,000 people out of their pension isn't exactly nothing either. But in any case, it's almost all men in prison and it's almost all violent offenders. What's the female equivalent of antisocial personality? And it's much more subtle. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is reputation destruction and exclusion, mean girl syndrome. I thought this was a perfect intro, potentially for the subject, because we literally are comparing all the time male behavior, female behavior, and female behavior can be equally, if not more destructive than male behavior. So today, welcome to the channel. I'm Eric Conley. That was Jordan Peterson you just saw. It was a clip from his channel. He won't be here. I only wish. But I do have the illustrious, wonderful Colonel Kurtz. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Well, thanks for coming. Now, I hang out with LawTube quite a bit and was kind of on the periphery of some of the Johnny Depp things, doing body language with him and Amber Heard. And Amber Heard, of course, is sort of like remedial 101 body language. She's somebody that anybody can study and just go, oh, yeah, lie, lie, oh, yeah, oh, lie. Um, I had a nickname for her and called her a pinball machine of micro expressions. <laughs> That's good. That's right. So this has led me to Marilyn Manson as another case, which is interesting because probably like most of the population, I was like, oh, Marilyn Manson, no, you know, kind of a crazy demonic rock star, whatever, didn't really follow him. It's a, almost a generational thing. I don't know. I'm, I graduated high school, I think, at the same time as Marilyn Manson. So when I think of that kind of act, I think of Alice Cooper, Gene Simmons, et cetera. And then Manson's like, oh, cool, you know, big rock star. Um, fine, whatever. It, I've seen that before. Um, even David Bowie, who he's quoted. But it's easy to picture in your mind, oh, well, he could be an abuser. I mean, he's weird, right? Right, right. But like everything else, he's a character. Like, I wouldn't picture David Bowie necessarily doing that. It's not fair to cast him in this role, per se. So you seem to be the person who is on the case of Marilyn Manson more than just about anyone in terms of interviewing people. And I've literally just started to... Um, scratch the surface and trying to research and put things together. I've got a, a little bit of a timeline that I've started. It's nowhere near complete. And I want to credit some other sources that I've run into like right away. Instagram seems to be the hot spot. Stand by your Manson, Marilyn Manson uncanceled, Mrs. Trickster 88, pathological propaganda, Leslie Lane. Um, Dave, I've, I've kind of communicated with all of them as well, but I'm really lucky to have you here today, and I will let you talk. How did you get involved with Manson? 
Well, so I actually uh, got on, I got into YouTube January of 2021 because I wanted to start covering the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation. I had this intuition that it was going to be a really big deal at some point <laughs> and I might want to, uh, I might want to start making videos about it. You know, I'd seen some other people's videos on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation and some really great videos, like incredibly average um, Brian, he, he calls himself incredibly average. Um, and there were there were some really great videos, and it really inspired me to make my own. So I got into it, got into YouTube to make videos on the Johnny Depp situation. And then, as luck would have it, not more than three weeks after I started making videos, the Marilyn Manson allegations uh, all all came out at the same time. Now, you know, you mentioned the timeline, and 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 uh, I think that. Probably the best way of, of talking about this is not to get so bogged down in specific dates, but more in sort of a general trajectory, because it is it is so confusing. And there are so many threats, so many more than the Amber Heard Johnny Depp situation. But the, all, all, pretty much all of the allegations, for the most part, surfaced uh, within the first couple of weeks of February. And in fact, almost all of them on the same day. So it was a coordinated media rollout between the different accusers. And they all posted, including Evan Rachel Wood, they all posted to their Instagram that same day uh, in February. And so when this happened, uh, it, I don't know if you remember this or not, but pretty much everybody just assumed that Manson, uh, that Marilyn Manson was guilty. And that mm -hmm. was the dominant theme in the media, of course, because there were so many, so many accusers, right? And at the time, I, I, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, he, he seems like a weirdo. There's a lot of women accusing him. Yeah, he probably did. But there was like this voice sort of in the back of my mind, and it was like, but, but wait a minute, you, you all, you know what they've done. You know what the media have done to Johnny Depp. Let, you know, let's hold on. Let's at least, let's at least see what's going on here. And so I started looking at the different. Um, allegations that they women had posted on their Instagram accounts, and uh, during the, during that first part of February, Esme Bianco did uh, a couple of different interviews, um, and her interviews were just, in my opinion, were just completely ridiculous. There were so many so many inconsistencies and things that just did not add up. And so at that point, that's when I decided that first week, because I guess it's the first week the allegations came out, I decided to do a video. And the title of the video was uh, Marilyn Manson, A Contrarian Perspective. And at that point, I was really 50-50. And I was just arguing, hey, let's slow down. There are some problems here. There's some things that don't make sense. Let's give this, let's give this another look. And then from there, um, I just started making videos because there weren't there really um, wasn't anyone else doing it. E-Hacker, uh, he, he's, he's a cool YouTuber. He was making some, but there weren't really any, nobody was really touching it. And so I started making videos. And then from that point on, I just kind of got deeper and deeper into it and, and realized along the way pretty quickly, this guy is innocent. This is a hoax. And so from that point on, it just became kind of an irresistible story uh, to cover. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually think it's a more interesting story. Just, yeah. just in the in the tapestry of it, because you, I like any story that goes against a perceived narrative, sort of like a Malcolm Gladwell revisionist history. It's just kind of cool, you know. And uh -huh. then you learn the other side, and you know, there's a spoiler alert. So, what I'd like to do today, and here, here here's the basic timeline I have. Uh -huh. um, again, right. it's um, going back to 2018 some groundwork it appears was being laid 
by Evan Rachel Wood. Um, I don't know if it was specifically after Manson, and that's a good question, too, because you've followed this for so long. But she testified before Congress and then later before the um, California Senate. And I'm curious, is it possible that it was she was just getting a little bit of fame because remember um, that op-ed was written by Amber Heard also in 2018 and me too was big. So it might've been a a fun, if not fun, that's probably very tacky to say a a way. Okay. Fashionable. Sure. Way to be ahead of the trend in front of Congress and not even necessarily thinking about targeting a particular person, but just saying, Hey, look at me. I've gone through this on and on and on. And then as the time went on, people said, hey, that's got to be Marilyn Manson, right? Obviously, that's Marilyn Manson. And I believe there was a lot of murmuring around, that's Manson. Everybody knows that's Manson. You know that's Manson, right? Right. right. Do you think that might have been what started it, was kind of a, a fashion play and maybe blowing up? I think that the question of Evan Rachel Wood's motives, that is probably the most fascinating part of this for me. And I don't think it's something that I will ever get to the bottom of. Um, Why is she doing this? Why has she done this? But I do think that there are a couple, there are several good theories. And that's one of them, which is that she wanted to, you know, Me Too was really hot. It wasn't, we weren't sort of getting into that post Me Too era that I feel like we're almost starting to get into where people are more skeptical. So it was just kind of like, it was a free for all. It was like, just accuse whoever, whomever. Me Too was hot and she was getting, and and I think that, you know, she'd already started, um, she'd already started like being, kind of being more of an activist in LGBT, you know, Q circles and things like that. And so I think, yeah, you could be right that, initially she did not name him it was just it was this nameless man and she and she it was fun you know to give a speech in front of the california assembly and it was fun to testify before congress and it was all of this stuff was fun and then though when people began to push her and say well wait a minute though what who are you talking about uh and then as you said there were murmurs about manson it was almost like she kind of got boxed into a corner where she had to she had to say she had to say it was him now there are a couple of other things I want to bring up just briefly here. Um, according to Marilyn Manson's lawsuit, uh, Manson's attorneys, and I agree, they believe that uh, Evan Rachel Wood and Ilma Gore, her co-conspirator, um, became friends in um, 2016 or 2017. And then later, uh, they, they became lovers. They started dating. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, Ilma Gore, she is, uh, she's... <laughs> She's an accused hoaxer and fraudster, but she's also a hardcore uh, feminist, gender activist, whatever term you want to use. And, I, and so I, I also agree with Marilyn Manson's lawsuit that she had a tremendous influence on Evan Rachel Wood and encouraged this. And so I kind of feel like this is almost a kind of a perfect storm in a way where we've got several different factors at work. And then clearly there's something with Evan Rachel Wood, there is something that's very much off. In, in, in a similar way, I think, to Amber Heard, except she doesn't have a volatile temper. Right. And um, Elma Gore, who you bring up, may have been the original Jussie Smollett. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. She um, she is a very I don't want to say an interesting character because I don't I think it's actually she's pretty boring. But she is a, a an habitual fraudster. Uh, we you know we could go into it or not, but uh, she you know for instance she uh, told a story in an article uh, an interview about how she was kidnapped in L.A. by Trump supporters because they found out that she did a painting of Trump with a micro penis and they were really upset about that and so they kidnapped her and drove her around for a while uh she for a while she was promising that she would if, if people paid her a certain amount of money that she would get their, their name tattooed onto her body uh failed to do that for many many people turns out she was basically using this charity as a kind of a screen for her own you know agreed and her own fraud anyway i could go on and on but she is definitely a really shady character. And so she got, she got mixed up and Rachel Wood got mixed up with her. They became really good friends. And around about the time that Evan Rachel Wood really kicked into high gear with this, this activism. Yeah, but she's a really good artist. Look. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, you, mom, look what I made. You know, well, it's interesting you bring that up, Eric. Uh, the, the, that's the toilet, right? See, I don't have my glasses yes, on. Yes, uh, it okay, is. So it's interesting you bring that up. That's one of her frauds because she posted on, was it Twitter, I believe, Il McGuire posted this letter that she had supposed, this reprimand or this, this threat that she had supposedly gotten from Louis Vuitton to stop using them in for her toilet. Mm. And, uh, and it turns out that was a fake, too. So she, she's just a habitual attention seeker and liar, unfortunately. <laughs> Interesting. And is that not part of the lawsuit? I'm already jumping around. I'm going to kind of no, get no, back in a sequence that um, that she was posing as an FBI agent at one point. Well, so uh, she and Evan Rachel Wood, and, and I'm not sure who concocted this idea originally, but they came up with the idea to type up a fake FBI letter and, and sign it and, and put the signature as a real FBI agent but the letter was a fraud and the FBI agent had never heard of this case. Uh, they concocted a fake FBI letter and the FBI letter uh, stated that Marilyn Manson was under FBI investigation and that Evan Rachel Wood was a part of this investigation, an essential part of this investigation and was, a, and was at a security risk. Now they typed, they, they came up with this letter for two reasons. First of all, they used it as a recruiting device to recruit the other women that they would recruit to go after Manson as if to say, Hey, look, this don't, you know, don't worry. You can make up stuff or whatever, because this guy is a bad guy. The FBI is going after him. Like he's already mm -hmm. toast, right? To kind of create a bandwagon effect and a sense of security on the part of the accusers. But the other thing that, that Evan used this fake FBI letter for, and here's what's just jaw dropping. She was in and has been in a custody dispute of sorts with uh, the father of her child, the actor, Jamie Bell. And she wanted to take the child to Tennessee and Jamie Bell and Jamie Bell did not want the kid moving to Tennessee. And Evan Rachel Wood apparently had told him that this was necessary because she was afraid for her life. She was afraid of Marilyn Manson's retribution. And so this was her excuse. So she actually submitted this fake FBI letter to the family court in California as a part of this custody dispute. So there is a fake FBI letter on that she's that she has submitted to family court. So I'm sure she's in a bunch of trouble with that too, or she should be. So that's yeah, that's a federal crime. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, it's got to get her into some trouble with uh, with the judge in family court. I mean, if anybody if anybody in California family court is hearing this, like, isn't this a problem that you have a major actress 
who's committing fraud in the family court try to abscond with her child against the father's wishes. I just think that's really messed up. Wow. Um, I, I, I have no words. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I mean, that, that that's mind boggling. And of course it's not out. Why is it not out there? Why is nobody talking about it? It's, it is shocking, but well, I'm, let me I'm getting... ask you a question, actually, since you brought that up, like, since you are pretty new to this case, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like, do you feel like after, after what we've seen with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard that people are, are ready for this? Or do you think, it seems like there's still a lot of resistance among people mm-hmm. to this case, to the truth. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and there, there's going to be because it's, well, it's a kind of an interesting thing because we're in a tribal situation and that carries over and to their credit the amber heard team has really worked this hard one way they worked it is if you're for johnny depp you're a right winger yeah and the fact is that it's absolutely not a political situation it's a it's a cultural argument and it's a legal argument but it's not a political argument now right now i would say that the quote right has probably been more supportive or more open because the right wing, however you want to call it. That's fine. You don't have to watch what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, but they hate the press. So you're going to go to wherever you're going to find support. Uh And from what I saw with Johnny Depp and what I understand, Johnny Depp and all them went to TMZ. They went everywhere else. And they said, look, we've got these recordings. We've got this. We've got this. We've got this. And they said, oh, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. And so Adam Waldman got a hold of some YouTubers and said, hey, guys, got some information if you help me get it out there. And that became a counter narrative. And this is there's so many uh, elements that are tied into this. It's fascinating if you want to stand back and just look at it. But you have old media. So your corporate press. So I'm going to say corporate press and independent press because YouTubers like me, I'm independent. I'm so independent. I'm not. I'm a hack. I'm not even a professional anything. I just babble. Me too. <laughs> but um, we are a genuine threat. A lawtube is a genuine threat. So you have TMZ who's ignoring um, Johnny Depp. You all the outlets are ignoring Johnny Depp, and they just don't care. They're saying, okay, we we have a narrative here. This is a controversy. We've drawn this picture. We're going to double down, triple down, quadruple down, no matter what you tell us. Then all of a sudden, the narrative gets out of hand. It gets out on YouTube. The public is starting to go, well, wait a minute. What's going on? And Johnny Depp had deep enough pockets to take her to court, which is one place that they couldn't completely control. And he had the great fortune that Judge Penny said, yeah, televise it or, or, you know, let it stream. Right. And because of that, I mean, keep in mind that there were two cases that were going on at the same time, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, but also the Kardashian case with China Black. <laughs> China they Black. Were the, they, they were the same. Black oh, Black China. Black China. Yeah, see, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, dyslexic on the name. Anyway, but oh, as fine. you can see, um, literally, there's two different cases, but there's a very similar case. One just went right under the radar and boom, 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 move on. And then the other one, you know, actually caught it. Now, Marilyn Manson, 
Is he going to get the support? There's no way he can get the same amount of support as Johnny Depp, I feel personally. Yeah. He because he has built an entire image in what he's doing, the same way that Gene Simmons could not get the same kind of support as Paul McCartney. You know, as an analogy. Uh-huh. It's just very, very, very difficult. Doesn't mean it's fair, doesn't mean it's right, it's just reality. Right. And as long as that image is out there, they're going to keep pounding on that image. They're never going to let that go. And keep this in mind. These are grief merchants. And interesting. If you say that there's really not a problem, what is the point of their existence? Well, you're you're definitely right that there is a cottage industry. Well, it's more than cottage, it's huge, right? There's a huge industry that has sprung up around perpetuating this certain perspective on gender relationships and, and me too and sexual race. Yes. Yeah. That's Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And trans and woke. I mean, uh, every issue. Every hot button issue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that you hit on something that's, that's really important here that troubles me, which is, I don't know if Marilyn Manson, if his trial is not uh, televised, I am really worried that this is not, that he's not going to receive the kind of vindication that I believe he's owed and the kind of vindication that by and large Johnny Depp got because the mainstream media are going to twist things. They're going to, I mean, we know what they're going to do. And so there'll, and there'll be people like me and you and others who will try to get the word out, but it really would be wonderful by some luck or the grace of God if, uh, if, if that that trial could be televised because if it can be televised and if people can see firsthand the evidence mm-hmm. of what Rachel Wood and Ilma Gore have done, it's, you know, right now, most people have just seen Phoenix rising or they've just seen Westworld and they have no kind and they've seen scary Marilyn Manson. And, you know, I have to concede, and I've done this before that Marilyn Manson, he had very much had a hand in creating his image. And there is, I do see almost a kind of a, I mean, karma is not the right word, but there's a sort of a cyclical nature in life that what works for you at one time is going to end up hurting you at another time. That's just how it is for all of us. Sure, and I do think sure. some of this is that this is just his time in a metaphysical sense. I think this is just his time in the barrel and he's going to come out and he's going to be okay. But, it, you know, it, it is rough and it's not fair. And I don't like what it means for society. I don't like what it means for women. I do not, you know, I do not recognize myself in this in this behavior, the, the Amber Heard or Evan Rachel Wood or any of the others. And I'll say something that's probably going to piss some people off, but it's true. He has shown a remarkably shitty taste in women. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there is a there is a thing, and I think that Johnny Depp suffered it too. Um, I think he would agree. I actually think that Manson would agree with that, with the exception of of you know the oh well, his current married, wife and yeah, and somewhere all right marrying a decent woman, thank God, and a woman who has stuck by him and is a good person. But I think he would agree with and and Dita. I don't know about Dita. I hear I, I hear some good things about Dita, but I think by and large, you know, he's even said it himself. He's he called himself flypaper for damaged women. And I think that the better way to phrase that, Manson, would be that you go after the damaged women, right? It's kind of a he's kind of phrased. I didn't like how he framed it as a passive thing, like, oh, they just mm. phrased he was 
come to me. Well, you're choosing them too. So, you know, take a little responsibility. But no, you're very much right. He's had shitty taste by and large. Well, he, he actually could be considered like many women who have bad taste in men and they pick abusers. It's the same, yeah. Yeah. same cycle. Yeah, and, you know, Manson, Marilyn Manson suffered, uh, he did suffer some abuse when he was growing up in the sense that his mother apparently had, um, is it Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy? Where oh, Munchausen, proxy? no, Munch, okay, Munchausen is is drawing um, to yourself. Munchausen by proxy is truly evil. Yeah, and, I think it's by proxy. I think that, I think Manson said, if, if I'm remembering right, of course, this was in the autobiography and I can, and I can test, you know, that that's the truth. There's a lot of stuff in there that's inaccurate, but I, I have heard this from some other sources as well, that Manson's, Manson had an unhealthy relationship with his mom in the sense that she really liked for him to be sick, be sickly. And so I think there was a kind of a strange right. dynamic with that. I don't know. That's that's um that's Munchausen's by proxy. And I, I piss people off because I say that's what's going on with some trans kids too. But <laughs> I I don't I'm in, use I, it. I try to I try to stay away from too many uh too many hot <laughs> buttons. So if you don't see me if you don't see me reacting, it's because I'm like, well, I don't know that I really want to step into that uh into that can of worms. But uh I understand I'll let that. you I'll let you uh, you can, you can well, it doesn't matter. But Munchausen by proxy is when you have a a child and you harm the child, and everybody can celebrate what a wonderful person you are to handle your poor, sickly child who you know breaks their arm or they're always sick or whatever. And whatever it is, it's your the parent is drawing their image through the use of a child versus having their own image. Right, right. So I think that there's definitely reasons why he, why Marilyn Manson, Brian Warner has been attracted to a, a lot of problematic women. But, uh, and, you know, the same we could say with, with Johnny Depp, he's very, he was very clear about mm. the fact that Amber Heard was a kind of a reflection of his mother. And so. Yeah, well, and... <laughs> What I was going to say, too, is I kind of understand it, that there is a certain and I'm going to use the term crazy, not as a medical diagnosis, but as um, somebody I wouldn't want to hang out with. OK, just crazy. It's mm-hmm. just a term. Right, right. Right, right. And there is a certain attraction to crazy. It could be sexually sure. more exciting, more dynamic, more interesting. Now, Manson and Depp, both a lot of money, a lot of fame could have just about anybody in the world to hang out with what's different, what's unique, what's exciting. Well, what's different, unique, or exciting can wind up biting you. And that's why we have all these pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I wanted to kind of do. We're going to finish out the hour, but I just wanted to kind of go through each person a little thumbnail on who they are. And what I like to do is I think it's better to show a picture of somebody so people can visualize who we're talking about and it helps keep uh-huh. track and going forward. So, uh, you know what? Never mind the time. I'll just go through a quasi alphabetical order. Ashley Morgan Smith uh-huh. line. She's a good one from what I've seen. Um, her and Ashley waters Walters 
concocted a lot together and she shares a lawyer with somebody. Does she share the lawyer with Bianca or is it Walters who shares she does. it? She does. Jay Elwanger, L- L- I think is how you say it. He's not too far from me, actually. He's here in Texas. So uh, at, at some point when I decide that I'm going to flip on Manson and accuse him of something bad, I'll definitely go down the street and find, find Jay. Well, there's but, Jay uh, right there. I'm making sure to show <laughs> up with his client on, on TV. And I deliberately got a picture of him because I find it very interesting when I see ties like that, when you have a lawyer and multiple lawyers and stories sound the same. So, but we'll, we'll, well go back. Let me say something about, so about Ashley, uh, a couple of things about her. So she got caught, you've probably heard this before, but she got caught trying to pass off Pinterest stock photos of love bites as her own because she was trying to validate that Manson, you know, one of the things that these women say is that he would sort of bite them to death. Mm. And so, uh, so anyway, so she put up these, this picture of someone with these really bad, you know, bites. And then somebody figured out online, an astute viewer figured out that they were Pinterest stock photos. And so then she had to take them down because it was so obvious what she had done. Um, she also, Ashley Smithline, she also admitted that all of these accusers wrote their statements together. So, Eric, you know, you've already, I think, looked at the statements that they posted to Instagram. I'm not sure if you noticed this or not, but they sound like they're all ghostwritten by the same person, the same wording, the same phrasing, whatever. Well, Ashley, she got into a heated argument with mm. a Manson supporter and ended up disclosing that uh, that they wrote their statements together. And I mean, you can find the quote. Uh, I put I put a screenshot in, in a couple of my videos. But anyway, so yeah, we've gotten some interesting interesting stuff out of her. <laughs> well, I, I haven't actually gotten through all the statements just because of the time and the amount that that are there. It's oh, yeah. still overwhelming. No, but so much. I did do a body language analysis on Evan Rachel Wood with our friend Gavin, and. <clears throat> I was troubled by the language in the sense of just chattering. Um, I was groomed. I was this, I was that. It was like using descript. It was using clinical terms or terms to describe something without actually describing it. Mm-hmm. And oh, no, you're right. I'd love to use the, the really nowadays, the very sort of broad, squishy language. I'll tell you one that's really popular is coercion. He, mm. for instance, Ashley Walters in her lawsuit, uh, this is a disgruntled, you mentioned her. She was, uh, did you want to put her picture up actually? I'm sorry. You mentioned her, but she's disgruntled. Sure, she's right former. there. I think. <laughs> Great. So she is a disgruntled ex-employee of Marilyn Manson. She used to be his personal assistant and she uh, is, sued him the the lawsuit got tossed out by a judge but she sued him and she did not claim actual sexual assault she she claimed sexual coercion which is basically like oh you know he he sort of he he got me to do this or he got me to sleep with his friends sort of like it's very sort of squishy language um and that's the case uh, unfortunately with a lot of Me Too allegations nowadays is that it's it's using these catchy terms like coercion and grooming and stuff and using them by and large in ways that are not accurate. Right. And and that, that's what bothered me was when he, what was it? She said, first of all, I didn't pursue him. He pursued me, but then didn't describe the scene. And, and, and that that kind of stuck out in my mind because even Amber Heard, one thing that came out of the testimony, she talked about how she met Johnny Depp and 
the relationship and then they you know, there was like a little story that went with it and how they met and everything whereas everything was right. seemed to be more like um like i was reading a bulletized legal list you know like a, a mm. lawyer threw it together and said she was groomed uh, on yep. about this time to that time uh from yep. this to this to this and i'm just kind of like and i don't want gory details and a good example of that is if you watch rihanna we actually did an evaluation of rihanna i just put that out and that was a deliberate thing because we're talking about all these accusations and people. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a, a few videos that are going to be real victims. Rihanna was a real certified proven police evidence. Um, Chris Brown actually pled guilty. So hundred percent, you know, it, it's completely verifiable. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to step back and go, let's look at this person and how are they speaking versus the other ones and rihanna didn't go out into every detail she went into some detail which sounds very similar to some testimony you actually have heard recently believe it or not um i encourage everybody to go listen there's really funny echoes but um Hmm. you can get a a sense of this really happened and and it's it, it it's um like with her, it was like she's telling, but she's holding back. And you can see her just not wanting to get into it, but holding it back versus punching it out. I don't know if that makes sense at all. No, it does make sense. Um, and I think that uh, I, I I find I find um, almost all of the Manson accusers, their delivery style, those who've done interviews, I, define, I find it to be really problematic. Except I do have to concede, you know, Evan Rachel Wood, she is a... She's a very, very good actress. She's not an Amber Heard. And if I did not know better, I was watching Phoenix Rising. I was watching that documentary that she did about Manson. If I didn't know better and if I didn't, you know, if, if I, I hadn't researched it if I and so forth, I think that I would find her in a lot of ways credible. Except, you know, when you watch that documentary, there's still a lot of things that don't, don't make sense. But, um, but she's definitely going to be a more formidable, in a lot of ways, a more formidable opponent than Amber Heard was. I mean, it, Amber Heard, in some ways, it, it, it couldn't have gotten much worse. I, I her, her performance on the stand, <laughs> but true. But but um, Evan did one thing that bothered me, and I did not know until somebody told me later uh, uh, another point. Her thing, I was mm. like, what is that? Mm. And they said, you know, it's funny because she reminds me of Manson. And I popped in a video from 2020 of Manson. It was just literally an Apple video, whatever. But he's sitting there. He's a, and he did exactly that. And the vocal, um, the, the pacing and the vocal, it was mm-hmm. shocking. It was really, really, really shocking. You can totally see it. So it's like, okay. And, and that sent a creepy vibe to me. That reminded me, and I know what keeps saying Amber Heard. I don't want to say it. It's just there's these no, weird parallels. Um, but Amber Heard dressing like Johnny Depp the following day, every single day. This this weird mm. mirroring factor. Yes. And seeing and that Evan bother does me. Mirror. And Evan does mirror people. Uh, you can look at the, in, in a really marked way, uh, you can look at different relationships that she's had. Uh, one of them that's so obvious to me is when she dated Zach Villa or I'm sorry, she was engaged to Zach Vila, and they got the same, like, sort of asymmetrical short haircut with, like, a, a lock of hair coming down here, and then they dyed it, both dyed their hair purple. Uh, you can look at pictures of her with everyone she's been with. Now, when she was with Manson, 
the person that she mimicked was Manson's uh, ex-wife, Dita Von Teese, the one that mm. uh, Evan replaced, basically. And, you know, Evan went from, uh, you know, a, a one particular style to suddenly when she's with Manson, now she's doing the, the glamour girl, the sort of the burlesque look with the, the sort of the 40s hair and the really uh, sophisticated, you know, dark dresses and things like that. And so anyway, I think there's definitely something there to that. And, and, and I will say that Evan was not impressive in uh, the interviews that she did after Manson's lawsuit came out, you know, she was on The View and she did a couple of other interviews. And I thought a couple of those, particularly her appearance on Good Morning America and on The View, I thought she did seem, and there, at one point she just wouldn't even look up when she was discussing the lawsuit when they asked her about it. She just looked down the whole time. So, Yeah, and that in of itself doesn't, isn't always bad. It depends on which, where they're accessing and right. you know, what. So it, it, uh, it is hard. I mean, I, I will say that. And and she was hard. She was much harder than Amber Heard. Much harder right, than right. Amber um, Okay, so let's go forward to yeah. Brittany Lee. She seemed to be like one who, I guess, came out. I don't know what happened. It seemed like a pile-on almost. I was going to say, yeah, she's, I'm going to be honest with you. I really am not even, I'm not even really uh, up on what's up with her because she, she came out so recently. And at this point, you know, I, I kind of feel like it is a matter of, of just sort of uh, um, a pile on with people like her. Um, But if, but uh, you know, she's someone that I saw, I saw Marilyn Manson uncanceled posting about her, I believe, and doing a rebuttal to her. That's a really good site for people to check out. Uh, Also, he has an Instagram page and a Twitter page. Uh, And then as you mentioned, stand by your Manson also great one. Okay. What do you have here? Dan Cleary. I know you have something for Dan. Yeah. So several things about Dan. Now, Dan uh, played a huge role in uh, the second part of Phoenix Rising it was, in fact, the first like 20, 25 minutes, it was like the Dan Cleary show, basically. And the reason why he is so significant to Evan Rachel Wood and to that documentary is because he's one of the few male voices validating what she's saying. And also, he is often presented as being Marilyn Manson's personal assistant. So, of course, if he was his personal assistant, then he must know if there was abuse going on. And so Dan Cleary posted on Twitter that uh, everything Evan Rachel Wood and the women were saying was true. And he'd seen it. He'd seen Evan Rachel Wood change when she was with Manson. Well, that all sounds well and good. The problem is Dan has admitted multiple times, including on his podcast. This isn't anything I'm just getting out of nowhere. He's admitted that he was he never saw any abuse by Manson toward Evan Rachel Wood. Let me repeat that. He never saw a single instance of abuse by Manson toward Evan Rachel Wood. All he says is that he thought that she, her aura darkened over time. And, and he also was not Marilyn Manson's personal assistant when Evan Rachel Wood was with Manson. He was a guitar tech, which means, you know, that he was not around them in an intimate way. He was not, it was not a personal assistant situation. Now, where, where people are getting the idea that he was his personal assistant, he was his personal assistant for a brief period of time when uh, years later, when Manson was with his wife, now Lindsay and Dan claims that he, again, he doesn't claim that he ever saw uh, Manson sexually assaulting or hitting or whatever to Lindsay. What he claims 
is that Manson got in a fight with Lindsay and told her that he was going to kill her and and Dan would have to bury her in the desert. Now, do we really think that Marilyn Manson was really suggesting that he was going to kill his wife and that Dan would have to bury her in the desert or whatever? No, of course not. Uh, You know, Manson's known for having a dark sense of humor. I don't know what he says when he gets into fights or whatever, but if that's the worst thing that Dan Cleary can come up with, that he made a, a flippant remark like that, then that's ridiculous. So the thing is, uh, Eric, is that this case is super, these, these, this case with Manson, it's super complicated, but every time you look at the particulars of it, the accusations fall apart. So just like Dan Cleary, people say, oh, well, his personal assistant said that he abused Evan Rachel Wood. Well, actually, no, he didn't. And he wasn't his personal assistant. though. So, so that's a, an interesting point you bring up. He, if let's say he knew that Manson was a vampire sucking auras out of people, <laughs> um, would you answer the call to become the personal assistant of said person yes. where they could suck your aura out later? That's right. It doesn't speak very well of Dan that if he thought that, that this woman, Ed and Rachel Wood, was being abused in any kind of way, even vampirically, <laughs> that he would then go back and work for this man. And and look, here's something you got to understand, too. And this isn't just with Dan. There are all kinds of people in Hollywood who think, who have huge egos and who think that they should have been the one. And, you know, so you've got someone who spends his life, no offense to Dan, but someone who spends his life as a guitar tech or as a personal assistant and probably thinks that he should have been Manson or he should have been, you know, a a rock star. And I do think that there's a a certain degree of jealousy that I put them. And not only that, but people are, people are anxious for their, any fame that they can get. And I don't mean this to be mean to Dan Cleary, but the most notable thing probably that he will ever do in his life is tweet about Manson and star in Phoenix Rising. Well, and in fairness, um, most guitar techs are very talented guitar players. That's how they become a tech. Yeah. You, you don't, you, you don't yeah. want to have um, somebody you just go to the Denny's and say, hey, um, you need a job, kid? Oh, here, come here. They are talented, and I think that's why there's jealousy, because they think, oh, yeah. I, I mean, imagine just being one step away all the time from 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 being, from being having a dream life, like a rock star, and, and, and mature guitar. I don't know. Maybe I'm a petty person, but I think that would start to bug the hell out of me after a while. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, yeah, especially if it's your dream and all that. And, and, and in fairness, he could be more talented than people in the Good. band. I mean, in Nashville, there's a running joke that um, the guy busking outside of Seven Eleven yeah. is better than anybody uh, in the studio, and and it's there's yeah. some truth to it. Right? Um, Do you hear yeah. that, Manson fans? Dan Cleary is probably a better musician than Marilyn Manson. No, I'm kidding. Thank you. Oh, there <laughs> we go. The, there's the pull quote. I don't know. I, I do, I do. Um, we we briefly talked about her, and we have to though again because she's a big one. Esme, <laughs> why my happy pictures? I know. <laughs> yeah, so Esme, there's a lot to say about Esme. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting about her is that she participated in Phoenix Rising, and then her participation got strangely eliminated. Uh, and I, I don't, I, mm. I've heard the grapevine that there was some kind of a, a falling out. I don't know anything conclusively, but there was some kind of a falling out between her and uh, Evan. 
or, or, or she chose not to participate in Phoenix Rising. So if you've seen Phoenix Rising, you know that there's, there's a brief moment where she's on screen because she's sitting next to Evan Rachel Wood when Evan Rachel Wood is talking. So they, they, they didn't cut her out. But, uh, but no, there's no speaking with her or anything on camera. And I don't think that was the original intention. Now, Esme is suing Manson for $10 million. Mm. And she, like three other women, including Ashley Walters, who are suing him or have sued him, they have all claimed, all four of these women have all claimed repressed memory in their lawsuits and their filings. Oh, and, boy. That, and it is such bullshit because repressed memory uh if if it happens and it's a very dubious concept in the in the psychiatric community but if it does happen it only happens with children there the likelihood that you would have four grown women who experience abuse in their 20s and then they all forget it for you know seven years or whatever until they're all reminded of it when they hear about evan rachel wood coming forward you know complaining about her abuse and they put it together oh it's manson and suddenly it's like, ding, ding, ding. Um, it's really ridiculous. And to me, that is one of the things that just lets you know that this is a hoax when you have four women claiming repressed memory. And it's just absurd. Out of curiosity, do they have the same therapist? <laughs> yeah, know, this is I, real I because Elizabeth that. Loftus um, did work on that about mm -hmm. the repressed memories. Because I don't know. I um, It was a preschool. I forgot the name yeah. of it. it. Starts with an M, but I McMartin, mean it was McMartin trial. It was McMartin. I I always mix up McMartin with um uh, um poor McCann. Yeah, McMahon. I mix up McMartin McCann. Oh yeah, the poor yeah. girl who got anyway, the McMartin trial. And I mean they had it where they were in the basement and there was these rituals and everything. I mean and you know kids were believing it, full on satanic panic and. What could be better than Manson and Satanic Panic? He liked D&D, &D too, right. so we know that there's a problem. Right, right. Well, and, you know, the, another interesting thing, too, is that uh, in, in uh, okay, so in Phoenix Rising, Evan Rachel Wood tells this story about how Manson tied her to this prayer kneeler and beat her with a Nazi whip until the prayer kneeler broke. And then, and so then in Esme Bianco, in February of 2021, uh, then when she does these interviews, she comes out with the story about how she was tied to a prayer kneeler and whipped until, you know, and whipped. And, you know, I think that's kind of interesting once again, that she, Esme disappears from participation in, in, in Phoenix Rising and then basically ends up copying Evan Rachel Wood's story. Uh, I think that's kind of strange. By the way, Evan Rachel Wood said that this prayer kneeler broke. Well, the, there are pictures of the prayer kneeler uh, photographed well after when Evan Rachel Wood said this happened and the prayer kneeler was intact it was it was shot it was used for a, a project i don't know if it was a photography project or an album cover or something uh for manson so anyway there, there's another inconsistency for you as well but as mm. bianca you know she tells this story that before she even started dating manson well you know before she moved in with him and came to america and all of that that he had he enticed her to his home uh, with the pro under the pretext of shooting a, a guerrilla style video on his flip phone. And he told her well ahead of time that at the end of this video, at the climax, that it was going to involve this scene, this whipping scene where he was going to have to manhandle her. And she even admits that he told her in emails or whatever, well before she, she came over to participate, 
that that that's it was going to involve some manhandling, some roughness. And in fact, of course, Esme had been a bondage and fetish model for a while, so she was well accustomed to doing this kind of stuff. So she goes. So by her own testimony in these interviews, she goes. Uh, she goes to Manson's home, and she spends the whole weekend with him. And not only does no abuse happen the entire weekend. But he doesn't even try to have sex with her. He does not have sex with her that whole visit. She comes all the way over, hangs out with him in lingerie the whole weekend, and no sex occurs. That's how predatory this guy is. Then hmm. at, at the, the final, the final scene that they're going to shoot, the one that he has warned her about, that he's telegraphed, it's going to be you're going to be manhandled. But they shoot the scene where he whips her. And so to me, you know, one thing that's quite obvious here is that this was not some predatory setup for this guy to get his rocks off. This was exactly what he said it was going to be. It was a shoot that it was a it was a legitimate shoot or movie shoot or an art project that ended as he told her it would end. And she admits that she even that she even told him, you know, how much she loved it and 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 acted like she she liked the the whipping and all of that, right? So of course he's supposed to be a mind reader, I guess, and know that she doesn't like it. She never said no, and she admits that she never said no. Interesting. Well, anyway, so no, anyway, uh, she um, so so after this, uh, she shows a picture on Good Morning America of her back that's supposedly been uh, ripped up and scarred up by these whip marks. Mm-hmm. Except, first of all, the picture that she showed, you'll have to find, you can find this later, but the picture that she showed, it's cut off at the neck. You can't, you don't even know whose back you're looking at. And then secondly, if you look at it, it's very clear that these are not whip marks. But in fact, they're merely the indentations of someone who has been tied up with a rope. Uh, and so she has this picture that she's purporting to be something that it's, it's very clearly not. And this is what passes for evidence for their side. That's about the most that you're going to get from the Manson accusers. Uh, and, and by and large, they don't have anything. You know, Ashley Smithline, she claimed, much like Amber Heard, that she suffered these tr- tr- these terrible injuries by Manson, that she broke her nose at one point. But guess what? She doesn't have any medical records. Nobody has any medical records of any of the things that they're claiming. <laughs> I love this super chat. Um, what the heck is a Nazi whip? Is it like a regular whip with a <laughs> tiny mustache? So, uh, you know, so one of the things uh, that uh, that's been reported about Manson is that he has collected Nazi memorabilia. And I, and I, this is a whole other, you know, can of worms to get into. But needless to say that once you get into this, you see that he's, he's not a Nazi and it's not anything nefarious. But they're claiming, these women are claiming that he had this like authentic, like, I guess, artifact from the Nazis, this whip, and that that's what he was using. But, you know, I, I don't I don't even buy that. I think that's yes. Okay, so um, jumping forward, we have Gabriella, who was the uh, uh, the long Instagram statement. From what I understand, there's some things that were released, and she's kind of disappeared, and uh, it was yes, a Sour yeah. Girl account or something like that? Yeah, no, it's good you bring her up, though, because that's a perfect example of of the kind of non-credible allegations that that have been leveled against Manson and how a number of these have just fallen away. So Gabrielle claimed that, you know, she claimed the same thing. The number of them are claiming harassment, rape, et cetera. You know, that they, they started that he lured her in, they started dating and then he started, you know, doing these bad things. Um, well, anyway, one of the things that she claimed was that uh, she was so distraught over his abuse, the, the abuse that she had suffered, that she had herself over. She had herself on Christmas 
one year on, I think it was 2015, Christmas, 2015, she had herself, that might be wrong the date, but she had herself 5150 put in a psychiatric hold basically committed. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's, that's all nice and everything, except Marilyn Manson's former assistant came forward and showed me text. And I published these in a video, uh, texts from Gabriella that were sent on Christmas, the very date that she claims that she was in a psychiatric hold or whatever. And Ooh. their text, their text in which Gabriella is inquiring with, with Manson's assistant, uh, where Manson is. Cause she wants to check in. She wants to say hi and all that. These very sort of, these are not psychologically disturbed texts. They're clearly not from someone who's locked up. And when you're 5150, they're not giving you your phone. So you can send texts anyway. Well, wait a minute. Uh, Was it Australia time? I'm sorry. <laughs> In California. <laughs> um, and the other thing about her is that she did disappear. Uh, she um, she pulled her Instagram account and she's she's gone away. Uh, another one who went away was Annie Abrams. This was another woman who accused him on Instagram. And it turns out she was just completely discredited and exposed as being a habitual hoaxer. She had told people she had cancer before, had pictures up on one of her social media of her bald. I mean, just a loony tune. But the funny thing is that some of the lawsuits against Manson, at least one of them, uh, actually mention her as a primary accuser. So it's like <laughs> these lawyers mm. are in these lawsuits for mentioning discredited, um, discredited accusers. Well, this is who started the bite stuff, if I recall. Um, Jenna Jameson. Oh, God. <laughs> she came out and said that Manson was into biting, and so she broke up with him, I think. Literally the day after all the, um, you know, all, all the charges. I, I don't uh, accusations because there are no charges. That's, that's what I remember: biting and and lots of anal sex. But uh, but she. But here's the thing that she didn't say. Okay, she didn't say. And then I told him to stop, and he wouldn't. Ladies, those those are the magic words that I'm waiting to hear in almost all of these allegations is I said no, and then he continued. Now, I know there's a, there's a few of the, the women who allege that, but by and large, it's become a crime now. You know, men can't mind read. And I'm not saying I even believe what Jenna Jameson said about that stuff. But basically what she said is that he likes to bite during sex and he was enthusiastic about anal sex. Well, OK, you can break up with him. You don't need to, like, publicize that. That's not that's not. That is not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a crime. So. All right. Um, this one, I think, is a minor one again. Love Bailey. Yeah, but she's interesting. She She's she's interesting for a particular reason, okay? So one of the things that I've been arguing is that you cannot take the number of accusers at face value. You can't, you know, the media likes to report that there are like, I don't know, like 15 accusers or whatever. Uh, it keeps growing. But uh, but but when you when you look into that, a number of the accusers are people like Love Bailey who aren't even accusing him of sexual harassment or assault. Love Bailey, she's a stylist, and she claims that on a particular uh, photography shoot, or maybe it was a video shoot, I can't remember. She was on a shoot, and she was a stylist on a shoot, and Marilyn Manson showed up, and at, at some point he brandished a gun, and not in like a threatening way, but in, in kind of an outlandish way or whatever. Now, first of all. I, I don't know that I take anything at face value that she's saying, because, again, people have ulterior motives, 15 minutes of fame and bad memories and whatever. But let's just say that he did that. Well, you know, 
rock stars and rappers and people like that, I have known them to at times brandish guns in sort of outrageous ways. And we get, we have no context of anything. It could be that people were sitting around and someone was like, Oh, you've got a, you've got a gun man. Let me see or whatever. Like, I don't know. But what I do know is that pulling out a, a gun in a theatrical way on a photo shoot is not the same thing as raping someone or assaulting someone. So that kind of stuff gets lumped in. You have the same thing with Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, she accused, she came out when all these other women did and she accused Manson. She said that, uh, yeah, she said that she, when she was a teenager, she went to his house and that he made a joke about a rape room. Well, that's your big accusation that he made a joke. You know, I mean, why is that even getting reported? And by the way, what Phoebe Bridgers is not telling people is that when she came back from Manson's house, she posted a cute photo of Manson's cat in the sink. Well, then she went back and she deleted that because you know what? When you make accusations against Manson, it's probably not a good idea to have cutesy photos you've taken of his cat. So anyway, again, it's just, just some craziness with these people. That was Phoebe already. Um, you, you mentioned brandishing. I was just going to bring up another point too. Some people feel very strongly about guns and don't like them at all. They don't uh -huh. like being near them and just uh -huh. having somebody, you know, like you said, he could have been showing to somebody just pulling it out right. and, and setting it on the table next to somebody could be seen as brandishing to somebody who's sensitive. I do know there are people who have called the police with somebody who has an open carry legally and they're not pulling out or anything else and saying that they're brandishing a gun because they're wearing a gun. Again, right. I so I don't know the levels. Uh, I would right. really want to break it down of very specifically no, what that point. was. That's a great point because that's the thing is that we don't have in a number of situations what we're what we are lacking is context, and that's one of the things that I did not like about this Instagram these Instagram posts as well. I realized that some of the women went ahead and did interviews outside of that, but for a number of these women, they put these these Instagram posts up, and that's that's it. I mean, I just see some. I just think there's something problematic about the way that so much of this is being conducted over social media, and that's why I don't appreciate people criticizing those of us who are on social media, law tubers or YouTubers or whatever, because we are, we're, we didn't create this phenomenon. We're responding to it. It's the other people who have been trying to, who have been trying to adjudicate this stuff in the media, you know, not, not keeping it in the courts. And Evan Rachel Wood, she, you know, there's no charges filed against Manson. She hasn't even sued him. Now, I understand there's things like statutes of limitations and whatever, but I'm just saying like most of this is being, is being prosecuted in, in the media. No, I agree. Um, we're running against the clock here, so we've I've got, got about ten more minutes. Okay, I've got about so 10 minutes. Sarah McNeely. Okay, so Sarah, um, she is one who uh, has been kind of quiet as well, but she did have a brief appearance in Phoenix Rising. Um, there was a scene in Phoenix Rising where a, a number of the accusers get together and talk, and so she's in there, uh, sort of more in the background. Um, the, really the only thing I have to say about Sarah McNeely is that, um, she, there, when her allegations came out, there were pictures circulating online. Um, I've got one of them in my video, one of my videos, uh, of her, uh, it was an advertisement for an extreme 
suspension bondage show that she did. I believe it was in LA. And on the advertisement, it's advertising the fact that she's going to do the, the the suspension from the back, you know, where they, I don't know how familiar people are with this. I was not too familiar. Ooh, it was Indian. Explained it to we're, me. They put yeah. holes in your back. Yeah, they yeah, hooks. Holes in Hooks. Yeah. yeah, so there's holes in the back and then the hooks go through the holes. And so the person is actually kind of like something from Hellraiser from the Clive Barker movie strung up. Well, so anyway, this is, you know, this is something that, uh, that apparently she had done this kind of, she's a model. She'd done this kind of modeling before. Now, the only reason I bring that up is just to say that, that again, a number of these women that Manson, who have accused Manson, these are, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that if you do extreme bondage or whatever, that you deserve to be assaulted or anything like that. I don't believe he assaulted these women. But what I'm trying to say is these are just, with all due respect to, to these women, these are not just your average, like, you know, girls next door. These are people who are involved in a lot of stuff that most people would find pretty extreme. And I, and so, and the point that I'm trying to make then is it's, is I think that there's something disingenuous about a number of them, like Esme Bianco, who are trying to basically shove that under the rug and act like they were sort of born yesterday. And that this guy just sort of, you know, got them involved in this cult of, of kinky sex or whatever. And by the way, I'm not sure if you've heard this or not, Eric, I don't even believe that Manson is into kinky sex. I have interviewed a number of women who have slept with him or had relationships with him, including his ex-girlfriend, uh, Paula Weiss, who was with him for a number of, uh, of months, uh, and some others. I've interviewed some mutual friends of his and Evan Rachel Woods. And anyway, they all tell me that he was not into kinky sex, that he was kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of vanilla. And in fact, Evan Rachel Wood even said to a couple of mutual friends of hers that I interviewed on my show that sex with Manson was, it was, it was sweet and vanilla. It wasn't kinky. So I'm just starting to, I, I've really just started to doubt this whole narrative that's been created around him in a lot of ways. Hmm. Okay. So we have um, Scarlett Capella. Yeah. Now this is another one that I'm not too familiar with, to be honest um, with you. That's again, I would, I would have people look at Marilyn Manson on cancel because I'm sure that he um, or stand by your Manson have done a write up on her. Uh, what little I do know, I'm kind of blanking. She's not a big figure. Okay. Well, good. That leads off with one more and that's uh Tori Lynn. Yeah. And so she was, I don't have anything particularly interesting to say about her either. She's one of, uh, she and, and some of the others that we've talked about, like I said, kind of after their initial posting, they sort of fell away. Uh, the ones who have really remained in the public eye uh, have been, um, well, obviously Evan Rachel Wood, Esme Bianco, uh, Ashley Walters, uh, and, and a couple of the others. Smithline, right? Yeah. And Ashley Smith line. Yeah. I'm, yeah Ashley Smith line. Um, okay. Any others? Uh, that's all I could come up with in a short notice. Oh, well, perfect. Well, let me ask <laughs> you. So is there, is there anything kind of having, having started looking into this as you have been, mm -hmm. what do you find? Is there anything that you found so far that you're like, well, that does look pretty bad for Manson or that's really a sticking point. Or I don't know if I can get past that. Is, is there anything that you do find compelling in terms of the arguments that have been made against him? At this point, I'm going to say no, because I haven't like, I haven't watched uh, Phoenix rising yet. Mm -hmm. I can, I ultimately will, but I know that that's pushing a narrative. And mm -hmm. even right now, I know your channel has, an opinion. It's got a bias. There, right. Everybody has a bias. And I'm 
while I'm leaning toward the interesting angle of what if he didn't do it, I'm kind of doing it just on the premise that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. So I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm starting is like um, even a statement analysis. It sounds really weird or in body language. You should always start that they're telling the truth, no matter what they're telling you the truth. And a statement analysis, that's especially um, true. They are telling you the truth, but they're being deceptive through the truth sometimes. So it's like, listen, really listen to what they're saying. Watch. And I don't have enough yet to understand. I'm I'm a little slow. I've got to just kind of feel my way through. Look, listen, look, listen, gather, gather, gather. And I'm just trying to gather. I'm just trying to gather every piece of information and then slowly disseminate it back out. I did a series on America's Untold Stories, still sort of ongoing, about Alec Baldwin and the shooting. We've got 23 videos on that. And that was all over the place. And so to let everybody know here, and I I hope you consider following this, I'm going to be wrong. I'm always wrong. Wrong all the time. Um, I, I might speculate. I'll throw something out. It's like, oh, that didn't turn out to be true. Or, oh, that looks bad. But over time, I I hope to learn and narrow down a body language, statement analysis, things like that, bringing in experts. If there's handwriting, I have handwriting experts. I've got FBI people. Anyway, just I I have a lot of people. If you go through my catalog, you'll see the range on the channel. Everyone from John McAfee to Carol Baskin to FBI, CIA, all kinds of three later agencies. The guys who brought down Pablo Escobar have been on here. So oh. I'm very, I'm very interested in my my um, my interests are wide. One story well, I'm going to come you... up. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say go one ahead. story I'm going to come up with um, that's going to be coming out soon is Tommy Morrison, the boxer who was in Rocky Five, and I'll, I'll give you I'll a. Well, I'll give you one sentence. Everybody knows Tommy Morrison. He was the boxer who was in Rocky Five, was slated to fight Mike Tyson, tested positive for HIV, was kicked out of boxing, fell to drugs. His life was ruined. He died of AIDS in 2013. Oh, my God. That sounds like a fascinating story. Yeah, except for one problem. It was all a lie. And that's the story. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff. You got me hooked. You got me hooked. So that's the counter narrative that I'm going for. Um, one of Michael Jackson's lawyers has reached out to me. I'm going to talk to him and and you know, hopefully learn more about that. I'm not completely decided. I've had OJ's manager on. He's a little tough to take, but I, I am interested in the stories and the journey and learning with folks. So I hope. Um, That's, great. That's great. Well, and I'm just going to say, you know, we we you talked about early on about the timeline. And, and basically, you know, I feel like for people who, who want to have more to handle on that, who tuned in for that, and the, the basic sort of trajectory is that Evan and, and Manson started dating in 2006 when they met when she was 18, started dating when she was 19. She claims that something. Oh, shoot. Battery's running low. Sorry about that. <laughs> no anyway, um, she claims that they, uh, so anyway, so they, they, they dated for a while, they broke up, got back together, then, then finally broke up in the late 2000s, uh, late 2000s, um, like 2000, oh gosh, I think it was 2008, no, it was later than that. Anyway, 
So in, in 2014, um, as late as 2014, Evan Rachel Wood was still sending a nice message to Marilyn Manson. When Marilyn Manson lost uh, his parent, one of his parents, she posted something on her social media about a good friend, uh, an old friend of mine. I haven't talked to in a while, but he lost someone today thinking about him. And it wasn't until and, and and it wasn't until 2016 that Evan Rachel Wood even started talking about a sexual assault. Now, one thing that's interesting is that in an interview that she did in Rolling Stone in 2016, she claimed that she had been sexually assaulted by two people in her life. One was a significant other and one was the owner of a bar. And yet later in the article, she talked about Marilyn Manson in a very different context. And it's, it seems pretty evident that Marilyn Manson was hmm. not a significant other or, or certainly the bar owner. And so that's a little bit weird. And it wasn't then until she met Ilma Gore and became friends with Ilma Gore in, um, in around 20, 2016 or 2017 that she really, really got going with a lot of this activism. And so then, you know, it's in 2018 and in 2019 when we see her testifying before Congress and testifying before the California Assembly and working to get the, the Phoenix Act passed. And this is also when she starts talking about a, a lot about her supposed abuse. But as you noted, she did not actually disclose who her abuser was until the other women did. They all they all pretty much did it on the same date, February 2nd, 2021. And then after that, in the months after that, Manson was sued by four of his accusers. Um, one of those suits has already been tossed out. And then Manson sued Evan Rachel Wood a couple of months before the Johnny Depp trial in March uh, of this year of 2022. So that's basically for people who want to know. That's basically the timeline. I'm not great with with dates. It's not one of my favorite things, but that's basically the the trajectory there. So anyway, uh, good luck to you. All I want to say to you and to to your viewers is that it is a very daunting case when you first when you first start looking at it because there are so many threads. I mean, you can see that there are even a couple of cases you bring up, and I'm like, oh god, I don't even remember it was so long <laughs> so long ago, and that person has faded away. But um, but it is a really it is a really complicated case. But, uh, you know, there will be a number of us covering it. And, you know, this trial is not going to be for another couple of years. And so we've got you've got a long time to catch up, basically, is, uh, is what I would say. Enough time to get sick of it. Then I'll really know it. Georgina. I am. <laughs> Wait, thank you oh, so yeah. much, Georgina. Thank you. One of my most loyal um viewers thank you so much and folks if you like this please consider subscribing tell a friend you know like all that good stuff but most importantly tell us you know, tell me what you think because i i haven't decided yet what do you think of the situation i plan to break down each person along the way and look at every story as i go if people are interested if people are not interested i will very quickly move to something else because i'm not a charity but um I want to hear in the comments, what do you think? Do you think he's a monster? Do you think he's not guilty? Do you think there are problems? Please let me know. And I'd love to hear from you. Libley, thank you very, very much from Australia. Oh, I know Libley from Twitter. Hi, Libley. But until next time, Colonel Kurtz, yeah, I'd love to, thank I'd love you to so much. Yeah. Yeah, oh, thank you for, for sure. Me. Thank you.